0: Hi, this is Lauren Engel of Sidewalk Talk. We do a lot of interviews with EDM artists, pop artists, rappers, and people in the industry letting you know what they do behind the scenes. Also, make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter through the handle Sidewalk Talk Show. Hope you guys enjoy. Hi, it's Lauren Engel. Today I'm here with Tessa Violet. Hello, how are you? (laughs) So you were born originally in Ashland? I was or actually born in Chicago, Oh, in Chicago. I
1: moved to Ashland when I was like three, so all of my childhood is there. Oh,
0: but your parents are originally from Chicago?
1: My mom, ma- uh, her mom doesn't watch us, she's from the northeast somewhere? I want to say Connecticut, I think she grew up kind of all over. So what does your mom do? Back then she was an accountant, Okay. Um, and she would... Worked for lots of clients, and then she was acquisitions at an audiobooks company. So she would meet with agents to get the rights to turn books into audiobooks. Mm-hmm. And now she is a writer and a oh, wow. baker, and she works at a grocery store.
0: So, you oh, so that's probably where all your creative side comes from. When she's such a creative person. She
1: is a creative person. I don't, I don't, I wonder if she. I don't know if she would think of herself that way, but I Mm. definitely think of herself that way.
0: Yeah. What kind of music was she playing in the house when you were growing up?
1: You know, my mom doesn't listen to a lot of music. She didn't growing up, and she still doesn't to this day. When I think of music we listened to, we had like a Frank Sinatra uh, CD that was... um, come dance with me mm-hmm. so it's him doing musical theater like yeah. jazz versions wow. um a few starbucks jazz compilation cds and a talking heads cassette tape oh. and that's like all of my memory of music that my mom listened to mm-hmm. my mom uh i mean she just i think she's noise sensitive so she really enjoys silence
0: Oh, <laughs> you're like the opposite, you like love music. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember the first like CD or was it cassette when you were listening?
1: Or what uh, was it? Uh, the first CD I ever bought was um, Mika's uh, Life in Cartoon Motion, oh. which I would have got through iTunes. Yeah. yeah. And
0: what, who else were you listening
1: to back then? You know, when I was like in high school, I really didn't listen to a lot of um, pop music or... Um, it's just funny. Music wasn't on my radar. Mm. Uh, I listened to a lot of musical theater because I was kind of like a theater kid. Yeah. Um, and it just didn't occur to me that, you know, there were kids in other parts of the country's, country like starting bands. Ashland's like six hours mm-hmm. in either direction from a major city, Portland oh. or San Francisco. So, like, there's not, like, a music venue. I guess the closest venue would probably be Medford, and that's... Thirty minutes, which we didn't have a car most of the time, so mm-hmm. it just wasn't even something I ever thought about, honestly, mm-hmm. until my twenties.
0: And in your free time, were you? What else were you doing, like, other than theater?
1: Back um, then? I started a vlog when I was in high school. Um, I went to Hong Kong for the summer, and I just thought, wow, this would be such a cool experience to get to make a video. Um, Blog of it, and at the time, like, vlog wasn't really a common word. So, mm-hmm. in my head, I was thinking, like, I'm gonna make this like daily docuseries of my experience here yeah. in Hong Kong. <laughs> and I remember having this like specific image of the music I was gonna use as like driving to the airport and editing it. Um, but I was using like a free version or a fifty-dollar version of Pinnacle, mm-hmm. um, and like immediately figuring out like, oh, there's no way to add music to this video, and there was, but it took me a long time to realize how.
0: Mm-hmm. But then to get to modeling in Hong Kong, you must have been—you were signed with some agencies here, or?
1: Um, so when I started modeling, I had like a mother agent in. Um, Southern Oregon and then they would connect me to an agent um, overseas and Mm. I would go for like most of the time you go for two months yeah. and they pay up front for uh, your flight and for like an allowance to eat and for your hotel and then you Pay all that back before you start making money mm-hmm.
0: That's so crazy that we were both in Hong Kong at the same time I And mean, I was like photographing a lot of like fashion models back then So I was like oh. That's so neat Yeah <laughs> So how old were you when you were in Hong Kong?
1: 17
0: Oh, was that crazy? I mean like just growing up in Ashland and just, I mean most Americans haven't even been to Asia And you're like Definitely. In Hong Kong at 17
1: It was super wild You know I never like Modeling sort of like Came into my life sideways. An adult, my, one of my mom's friends was like, you know, Tessa's kind of tall and like wiry. Maybe she could consider that. And again, it wasn't something that had ever crossed my mind, or something that was really like calling to me. I was kind of like, yeah, sure, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, Meh. and we met with an agent. They're like, your look would really work in Asia. And I'm like, yeah. I'm in. <laughs> Let's do it. Because <laughs> uh, definitely, like, the idea of international travel was not something that was reasonable. Um, like financially for me or my mom and that that was a possibility I was stoked
0: but was it difficult for you like uh being in such a different culture do you think it changed you as a person looking back
1: I mean the tough thing about when I look back on those experiences I wish that I had made like more of an effort to connect with the local culture because the modeling experience is so separate Mm -hmm. like almost all day would be either castings or working on a job i don't really feel like i got to have much of an experience of the places i went which is really too bad Um, modeling as a whole i didn't have a very positive experience with Mm -hmm. um, except for getting to see the places which was wonderful but as an industry i would say not super stoked on that mm-hmm. and um yeah and then you were also in thailand yes um so when i was 17 18 i did hong kong shanghai oh, wow. seoul and bangkok <laughs> and then you skipped school
0: yeah or i didn't do college oh but um, this is when you were 60 oh so you I finished high kong school over
1: the summer oh okay. senior year and um I also did Tokyo when I was 15, and wow. I missed, like, two and a half months of school, and I had to miss part of the, um, play, so I couldn't be in the musical that year, and I was mm. like, I don't want to miss any more school, because I wanted to be in the show. Yeah. so, then I waited till I graduated to go over again.
0: hmm and what did your, like, friends or classmates think about you modeling international must be so cool to them, like, back then?
1: Uh, you know, we didn't really talk about it, uh, I think it was cool, I was probably kind of shy around it, because I was like, I don't know, it's... Yeah, it wasn't really something that we talked about too much. <laughs> mm.
0: And how about for your mom? Like, what did she think?
1: I mean, I think my mom just thought it was such a cool opportunity mm. to get to, because again, it was like, you know, you grew up in a small town, I did, um, and we didn't have a lot of money. It was just such a special thing that, like, uh, that opportunity would walk into my life.
0: Yeah. And then, what were you, what did you or your mom, like, had career-wise, like, after you didn't really want to do modeling anymore?
1: <laughs> um, well, when I was 18, I came back to New York, and I was like, Mom, I don't want her to be a model anymore. And she's yeah. like, okay, but, like, you have to get a job or go to school. And I'm like, great, I'll get a job. And um, I got a job in retail, and I did that for a year. And, like, honestly, that was totally fine. You know, I mean... Yeah, you know how retail is. Yeah. <laughs> but I remember feeling about it that, like, I was so honestly just, like, grateful to be doing something that wasn't modeling. And I was mm. like, yeah, this is fine. Like, I'm, I have no qualms with this. And then in the meantime, I was also continuing to make video blogs. And I remember, like, having, like, when I started, there was no way to monetize content. It wasn't a career for anyone. But I remember thinking, like, I think this could be a career. I think there is Mm -hmm. a job here. And just kind of working toward that, being like, maybe it works out, maybe it doesn't. Like, I'll think about doing school. Um, And, yeah. Was it so
0: crazy to you back then that you were just vlogging your life and how people just stumbled upon it? Or do you know how they
1: stumbled upon you early on? It was so different then because, like, now everyone knows what a vlog is. But then when I transitioned into doing it full-time, people would be like, what do you do? I'd be like, do you know what a blog is? <laughs> and people would be like, yeah. And I'm like, well, it's like that on video. And they'd be like, what do you talk about? And I'm like, I don't know, Kind of like just... If, if I have like a story I want to share or like I have some feelings. I wasn't doing like daily blogging. I was mm-hmm. just um, telling stories or sometimes trying to be funny. I don't know. And so because it was such a small world it was like my online experience was completely separate from my real life Mm -hmm. Um, like I could live like a completely normal um, like retail life at one point and then also did people not sort of recognize you not really I mean I think I I have one specific memory of being recognized at work so Mm -hmm. probably it happened that one time (laughs) and then
0: what happened after your retail job
1: um, I quit and I moved to LA. Uh, my friend, it's time, moved to LA. I was like, yeah, I'm going to do that too. And I yeah, just started doing vlogging full time. I did it full time for a few years. I mean, I guess I did it full time from 2009 through like. 2017, so like mm-hmm. eight years. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and then you moved to Nashville?
1: Or when was that? Um a few so a few years passed um when I was twenty-three, so twenty thirteen I started writing songs for the first time. Um clicked like to you for that. Sorry? What, like what was the turning point? My friend had left his guitar in my car and then moved. And I just thought it was such a shame that no one was playing this beautiful instrument. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, maybe I could learn how to play guitar. So it's like I started learning like, you know, uh, Death Cab's I'll Follow You Into The Dark. And um, I don't know, I just had a thought like, huh, a week ago I'd never played a song on guitar and I've done that, maybe I could try writing a song. And like, at the time I'd really been praying like, God, please give me a new, Outlet to be creative. I was feeling like really just burnt out on videos and that whole world, mm. and I wanted something new. And yeah, again, songwriting just kind of came in sideways. And that, like a month later, I was supposed to be going to LA for something unrelated, but I knew someone who knew a producer, and I was like, "Could you connect me? I'm writing these songs. I don't know if they're any good, um, but..." maybe it'd be cool to like try and produce them they connected me and we like worked together for the weekend and then i was going to fly back to canada at the time i remember thinking like man i kind of wish i could stay i really enjoyed this experience and i flew back and at the border they're like what are you doing here and i'm like (laughs) nothing guys and they're like kind of seems like you're living here and i'm like (laughs) only technically (laughs) Uh, without a work visa so totally that's on me Uh, and they turn me around at the border and they're like, you can't come. And I'm like, that's fair. But at the time it felt like, you know, my world was ending because, like, I lived in Canada and I'm like, I don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah. Uh, Went back to L.A. and then spent the summer. There's a worm on the sidewalk. Oh, my God, yeah. (laughs) Um, Spent the summer making my first record with Seth, and yeah, I was thinking the other day that it's really, I feel like so much of this, where I'm at now, it's so lucky that when I started I had so much competence, confidence and naiveness, hmm. because I really felt like, at the time, like, I can do anything that I, like, I can learn how to do anything, I learned how to play guitar, I can learn how to write a song. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, of course, I'm going to go on tour and like do all these things. But if I'd known then what I know now about how much time it takes and how much work it is, it's not that I would have thought like, I can't do that. I would have just thought, oh, that's just so unlikely. It's impossible. <laughs> mm. Whoa. Uh, and it's it's so great that I could be um, both so naive and so confident. Mm. <laughs>
0: Did you think when you first started getting into music that people wouldn't take you seriously because of your YouTube?
1: Hmm, it's a good question. I think when I first started getting into music, I was so shy about it. Hmm. I like I released the record and made like one video about it, but I wasn't like I'm an artist now, guys. I'm a songwriter. I was like, here's something else I did. If you want to <laughs> listen to it, no pressure. Um, <laughs> And it was probably another year before I was even honest with myself, that I'm like, yeah, you know what? I do want to do this. This is something that I like deeply and dearly love. And this is my identity now. Mm -hmm. I mean, my identity, Yeah. (laughs) as defined within the constructs of what you do. And how did you meet Dodie? Yeah, Dodie. Yeah. Um, My memory of meeting Dodie, we met at Summer in the City 2013. Uh, Would it have been 2013? Yes. And I met her, I met someone else, and she's like, yeah, I'm a musician, I play songs. And I'm like, I just started writing songs too! Play me some of your songs! And we like sat in a circle, There's a Mm -hmm. bunch of us, and played our songs for each other. Um, And that's my memory of meeting Dodie. She told me years later that we actually met, like, not at a meet and greet, but uh, backstage somewhere. And she's like, Tess must never find out about this.
0: Um, I can imagine you guys as a duo. <laughs> Did she? Do you work on songs together, or, or is it pretty separate on the music side?
1: Uh, it's completely separate. I've mm. never written a song with her. Oh really? Yeah.
0: <laughs> and are you working with the same producers now, or has the team changed?
1: Yes. Um, I've worked with the same producer all along, Seth Ernest. He's unbelievable. I mean, I honestly think if I hadn't a paths with Seth, I probably wouldn't be a songwriter because oh. Seth has such a gift, not just for being um, incredibly talented, but also for being incredibly gentle mm. and like coaxing truth out of people. And um, that was really what I needed because I was so, like, I just didn't know anything, you know? And I needed mm-hmm. someone to be both encouraging and yeah. gentle and Seth is so much that. Um, Mm -hmm. And for songwriting, so far I've written all my songs alone, except for Crush, which I wrote with YAT money.
0: (laughs) uh, Why don't you want to write, like, do sessions with people?
1: I think when I started, I just didn't know it was a thing.
0: Mm -hmm. I was just like,
1: yeah, of course people write their own songs, and like, of course you write a song alone. Um, And like, I wrote the first record that way and the first EP that way and then it sort of came again the thing of just the naivete of not knowing anything people Mm -hmm. being like oh yeah you can write a song together and then once I realized that was an option I was just like I don't want to I'm scared of doing that (laughs) just like Um, because
0: of being vulnerable or because you think they'll judge yeah Yeah.
1: it's just such a vulnerable process not just to like because a lot of my lyrics are from like personal I mean, just my life. It's a lot to be like. Ugh, here's my whole life, and then also to like throw out ideas. I think I'm a really slow processor, so it takes me a long time to even figure out if I like something or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I only made an exception with Crush because I'd written the verse and the bridge. And I had a chorus that just like wasn't that good, and I was like, Ugh, "This song is so good; it deserves a better chorus." and um, these two writers that I know, Solomon and Lauren, I just love everything that they've done. Like, they have such a sensibility that is similar to mine, and um, I was able to bring them a song, I'm like, here's what it is so far, I need a chorus, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Do you
0: think there's gonna be a point that you hit there, like, okay, I just have to do sessions now?
1: Maybe, I wanna be open to it, because I wonder if I limit myself by not, you know, trying something new, Mm -hmm. and then at the same time, so so I want to be open to it, but then at the same time, I really like my songs, and I like how I write, and I enjoy that experience, so Mm -hmm. I'd certainly like to try it. I don't want to be someone who doesn't try things, you know? (laughs) And how did you meet her management? Uh, Management, I met through uh, Mary Gormley, Mm -hmm. Um, so... Two years ago when I was working on the upcoming record, Bad Ideas, I was like, again, the naive day of not even, I was just like, (laughs) I think I need a music manager. Um, And I reached out to a friend who like worked in YouTube. I was like, do you know any music managers? And she was like, I don't, but I know Mary Gormley who used to be A&R at Atlantic and now works as like a connector of sorts. Mm -hmm. I reached out to her and I was like, hi, I write pop songs. Uh, What do you think of these? (laughs) And she connected me with uh, Gabe's Porta Mm -hmm. um, at TAG, and yeah.
0: How did your tour with COIN come about?
1: Amazing! (laughs) Oh my gosh. I couldn't believe it. Um, I was with the whole TAG team, Gabe, Sydney, Willow, shout out. We were driving back from somewhere, I don't even remember what, and they're like, we've got news for you. And I'm like, what is it? And they're like, do you want to go on tour with COIN? And I was like, are you kidding me yes <laughs> I was just like I was like I what for real and like me and what I wanted to say was like are you sure they meant me <laughs> like their music is so cool and they're so oh. nice and yeah they are I
0: interviewed them yeah, yeah heck yeah
1: um and I you know I should ask about this, but I suspect probably that was a conversation that was going for a while that they didn't mm-hmm. tell me about because they didn't want me to get my hopes up. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so how it came about, I'm not too sure. but mm-hmm. That it did, I am very happy. <laughs> and what made you want to change your hair? From brown to pink, or red to brown, or pink to yellow. I
0: what? guess just all the hair faces, <laughs> like. <laughs>
1: uh, I, I just think it's so fun. I mm-hmm. like to always liked the bright colors even as a kid I wanted to do it but I was like afraid of bleaching my hair and I always wanted to go short but I was afraid I'd cut it and I wouldn't like it and yeah I just did it one day yeah. Love it. super recommend <laughs> <laughs>
0: and can you touch upon your video that you talked about depression what kind of advice do you have for people who are going through depression
1: <sighs> um I mean, in some sense, you have to give yourself some space to, like, not be okay. Like, don't Mm -hmm. demand of yourself that you're like, I need to be fixed now. That um, space to be in is such, like, a shame space because then Mm -hmm. you feel bad and you feel shame for feeling bad. Um, So I'd say rid yourself of that. It is okay to not be okay. And then at some point you need to start making choices that move you in a direction like the hard part about depression is it's so stagnating and you you get stuck and you feel it's hard to see a future out of it and you just have to make choices like just what's the next best thing like you don't need to it can be overwhelming to think of something distant so just like today what's the next best thing today maybe the next best thing for me today is to like make sure that i've eaten three meals Mm -hmm. and to like Get out for a brief walk, maybe the next best thing is to not be so hard on myself today. Mm. Maybe the next best thing is to go out and like go to a show tonight, which can feel like a big thing. But yeah, I'd say just take a little bit of time. Obviously if it's accessible to you and affordable, see a counselor or get on medication, like honestly. There's so many things. Those are like little things if it's like if that's too much for you right now, start small.
0: Mm-hmm. I love that. What's the inspiration for the I like the idea of you? Uh, I love the brackets too.
1: <laughs> Thank you. I don't know. I was like dating someone, and I knew that they weren't that into me. And I just written this song, "Bad Ideas," where I was like, kind of hard on myself for being like, I see this pattern. You know, I can get obsessed with people who obsessed with things. I don't know. Hard on myself, and then. I like the idea of you I'm like or maybe it's just fun and it's just for now and that's okay mm-hmm. and I can know that like this isn't someone I ultimately want to be with but I'm really enjoying the idea of him and maybe that's fine like I'm just living in the feeling of yeah. like
0: yeah <laughs> it does he know it's about him?
1: I don't know <laughs> I haven't heard from him since it came out oh so. my god
0: and how about for the music videos like are you in, for your music videos are you inspired by certain movies or directors?
1: Uh, it just depends on the one. Um, I like to let the feeling of the song dictate the visuals more than the lyrics, because I feel that the lyrics are already telling a story, and I don't need to see that same story like, um, necessarily mirrored. Mm-hmm. So with I Like the Idea of You, it has such a like feeling. Mm-hmm. I'm in the wrong tempo. <laughs> it's such a 1960s feeling mm-hmm. and it makes me think of Nancy Sinatra's boots are made for walking and I was like could we do an homage to this is that okay uh, and yeah so it was
0: mm-hmm and what's the story behind like the the meme in Russia
1: oh yes yeah. so I am very much lost in translation <laughs> uh, so here's my understanding of it as well as I can understand it um, there was like whatever the Russian equivalent of an alt-right type forum Mm -hmm. that found the video and it started going viral because it was both the same tempo as this like early Russian chant that's like Russia forward, Russia forward, Russia forward and then at the same time I'm wearing the sweatshirt. This is Mishka on it. Um, which when I bought that sweatshirt, I didn't even clock. I got it. Um, I thrifted it. Yeah. I was just like, I like these colors. <laughs> yeah. And it's so crazy. I know. And the the yellow, the colors, or something. So anyway, it starts going viral in this like. It's not technically far right because they claim to be pro monarchy, but it's it's kind of that same sort of thing where it feels very racist, very sexist very much something I don't want to be associated with. Yeah. So when it started going viral, I was just kind of like ignoring it because- How did you even know when, like- I started getting um, the same Russian comment over and over again on the video, Russian forward. and Oh,
0: so you didn't, you knew immediately it wasn't Russian fans? Like, the Russian people watching your YouTube or-
1: I mean, I knew it was something to do with viral virality and then I was Google. At first it's like cool because you're like, whoa, am I going to be famous in Russia? <laughs> oh awesome. God, you to
0: perform in Russia. Heck
1: yeah. You know, but then it's like I google it and it's like specifically this meme connected to like um, this like uh, extremist political group that I'm like, <laughs> oh my I do not support that. Um, so that was like January I want to say. Yeah. Then a few months passed And we ended up hiring a Russian PR person to be like, so what's the story? What's happening here? And she told us that like, from her perspective and as far as she could see, she's like, I have no idea what this meme is and I don't know what all these things are. She's like, but I do know this song. So it would appear that now there is a Russian fan base that is not connected to that initial, Oh. Spark of it going everywhere, which yeah. I'm like, cool, great. I love that. I think that's mm-hmm. very neat. And if any Russian fans are watching this <laughs> and would like to explain, I would love to understand. I guess, like, I've kind of resisted wanting to make a comment on it because um, the extremist stuff is scary to me, mm-hmm. so I don't. I don't want to be connected with it, but I also don't want them to turn on me, you know? Yeah. Um, so I've been ignoring that. But now it appears to not be that, and I'm like, cool, yeah. Like, I'm down to have a bunch of Russian fans. I think that's mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you, like, really went right into the heart of Russia. Like, yeah. no other American has it, like, giant. I know, but I'm like,
1: <laughs> also, for the record, gay rights are human rights. Yeah.
0: <laughs> How do you say your music has changed compared to the early songs you've made?
1: Mm. I think I have a stronger sense of um, what... Lyrically, I think I'm, I've been pretty consistent. It's just like, what's happening in my life? Bleah, <laughs> put it in a song. Um, but I think structurally, I have more of a understanding of what I like in music and then how to make a song do what I want to do for me, mm-hmm. um, and also I've become a much better singer.
0: Uh, are you taking <laughs> lessons?
1: No, I should though. <laughs> it's just that I've sung so much more. Like mm-hmm. when I started, I hadn't sung that much, and now it's like I tour so much, so my yeah. voice has become so much stronger.
0: Mm-hmm. How do you say I've grown as a person compared to when you were younger?
1: That's funny. I was thinking about that the other day. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, Some threads are very consistent, like, when I was young, it was always important for me that people feel included and wanted, Mm. and that is still true for me as an adult, and um, I can be an includer, sometimes in a way that is counterproductive, because I just, I don't want people to feel left out. And like, when I look back on my younger self, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to have been that person then. And then also at the same time, it's like, when I was young, I remember feeling like I was maybe really mature for my age. But then I'm actually like, hmm. Or was that sense of feeling like you understand things actually an an inability to Mm. see all that you don't understand. (laughs) (laughs) So I have a lot less anxiety now. Mm. Although I still do have anxiety.
0: How do you think you got less anxiety?
1: A lot of therapy, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and some of it's just, I think, getting older and kind of having had experiences where you can look back and be like, oh, I've had an experience like this before, and last time it turned out okay, so maybe it'll be okay this time. Whereas when everything's happening to you for the first time, it's like, will it be okay? I don't know. Yeah. Um, I think.
0: <laughs> last question, what do you want to be remembered for?
1: What do I want to be remembered for? Like when I die? Yeah. Um, I think with my life, I really want to be a part of valuing people well, Mm -hmm. Um, both both with like my fans and my shows, I really want my shows to be uh, a place where people can feel like it's okay to be whoever you are right now. And if that means like a break from your sadness and you're like, this is fun, I'm like, great. If that means permission to feel very sad, because many of my songs are very sad, then I'm like, great, yes, just be who you are. You're enough. Um, and then like behind the scenes in my like, work life, and hiring people, I really want people to feel valued there. I think. Mm, I you love know, that. So many people have, not so many people, everybody has gifts. things they do well and I want to find people who like their gifts make sense for the thing that I'm doing and then to pay them well and to appreciate them and I just think that there's so much potential to like uplift and encourage people in the work world and that's important to me and I would like to do that and to create community Mm -hmm. Uh, so yeah yeah Um, if I could make a positive impact on even just a small circle of people, I'd like to think that those people can also continue to make positive impacts onward and onward.
0: Yeah, I love This, this is so awesome. Thank Yay. you so much. Yeah, <laughs> thank you.
1: Bye. Bye. Bye.